Hey, party people. It is February the 28th, the last day of Black History Month, and the time here in Egypt is 4.03 p.m. How y'all doing? Welcome to March. I'm, I'm just jumping into March already. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. <clears throat> so um, today's podcast is about what I did last night, what I did last night. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I got an invitation to attend a um, basically an art installation, a an active art installation um, by one of the women in the um, expats uh, WhatsApp group that I'm in. I don't really check in on Facebook anymore since I've joined. I really like kind of the community that I am a part of on my phone, um, and that just may have a lot to do with, you know, my anti-socialism tendencies. But anyway, um, it was a installation being done by Nsinga Knight. And it was at the Contemporary Image Collective, also known as the CIC in Cairo. And so I, now let me say this. I don't really leave, like I'm in the habit, I have gotten in the habit of like, pretty much being in my room. Like, I I don't really travel out. I don't explore. I don't do a lot of that. And that has a lot to do with just, you know, transformative, like practicing meditation, practicing silence, trying to focus on, not trying, being in the process of focusing on the work that that I brought with me and really allowing my body and my mind and my soul and my spirit to just heal. Like, when you leave the United States, and you're not a tourist to wherever you go, the more you, because every place else is slower. The only other place that probably moves as fast as the United States might be, and this is because I've never been, might be somewhere like China or maybe Japan. And that's the only reason I'm saying that is because I know technologically they're, you know, they're active. But America just be moving on energy based out of ego and based out of um, necessity and just based out of the you gotta principle. You gotta, you shoulda, you know, and everybody's trying to manifest and it's just all of this energy. And when I got to Egypt, not only did I have to slow down because I didn't speak the language, I had to slow down like because that that pressure wasn't there. So I've <laughs> I've really gotten into this habit um, within the year that I've been here. So yesterday, I decided to venture out by myself and go down into Cairo to support Sister Nzinga in this effort. Now, I was nervous, I'm not going to lie, because my head had been kind of like tainted with these stories about the Uber drivers. You know, how women would get into cars and the dude is like, can I take you to a hotel? You know, and these were like first-hand accounts. Um... So I had to really have this talk with myself, like, you're either going to go or you're going to be scared and you're not going to go. Like, but you can't do both. You can't go and be scared. And I knew that. I was like, I I can't put that. I can't travel with that energy. So, um, and I have, let me tell you all something. I'm starting to have angels show up too. Um, But that's another story for another day. Anyway, so I go get money out of the ATM, go get change for it. You know, everything that's going kind of wrong, I'm not, I just, I'm just not really paying attention to it because my mind is set. So I get in the Uber, I get to Cairo, it's dark. Now, the CIC is, let me see, 
I've never been in a space quite like it. Oh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Okay, so you know like when you go to the Dallas Theater Center and you go into... Is that the... Not the Kalita Humphreys. Hey, maybe it is. Am I tripping? Am I saying Kalita Humphreys and it's a different theater? Anyway, you know how you go into the Dallas Theater Center and you go into... They have a basement space. Like the Dallas Theater Center has a downstairs basement space. And if you don't even like have a clue that it's there, you don't know it's there. It's almost like the Undermain Theater. Like it's this space within a space. But the CIC is literally in an alley, like off the street in an alley. So it's you go you're on the main street, which is I think Elsa here, and then you turn off on another street. And then that street is really small. It's like, it's not, it's barely a street. It's like three-fourths of a street. And then there's just a little turn-in, like a little dirty turn-in. Like you have to walk across um, planks that are over mud. And then it opens up into this dirty space. And then there are these stairs. So I was down there by myself and I, I couldn't find the place because it was dark. And I refused to walk down the little half a street. I was like, I am not finna walk down that little half-ass street. I just wasn't. Like, nothing in me. And let me say, tell you why. Because I had already walked down the wrong street that got darker the more I walked down it. Because my G- GPS was like, bitch, you there. And I was like, I'm not there because I'm not in the building. <laughs> so then I started trying to ask people. And one guy was like, no English. He was like, bitch, no. And other people were trying to help me. But without knowing the space and I don't know how Egyptians function either like I really don't um in America if I'm looking for the African-American Museum you either know where it is or you don't if I'm looking for the Undermain Theater you kind of either know where it is or you don't and if you're in the general area most of the people who live in that general area if they're not gentrifiers they know where it is so you know I wasn't I was getting pointed in different directions and I finally just got really kind of like frustrated because it's getting darker and darker. And, you know, I'm still dealing with this, you know, this story in my head about like I'm down here by myself. I'm a brown girl. You know, I have been harassed at the pyramids by young boys. And I'm just trying to like exude this energy of either help me or get out of my way. So, um I did the next best thing. <laughs> I called Ed. Yeah, the Ed that I had blocked, I called him. I was like, look, I'm lost. Because he was coming to the event as well. So he was like, meet me at the KFC. Because I told him, I said, there's a KFC where I am. I need help. So he was like, meet me at the KFC. And we'll go from there. So... Long story short, I meet up with Ed, and Ed is, like, asking questions, too. And we're getting moved all around, but Ed is, like, don't get up, don't get frustrated. He's, like, really, like, laughing. And the more he laughs, the matter I get because he, I don't think he understands that, like, I still got to get back home tonight. Like, it's getting deeper and darker, and the 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 invitation was slated to begin at 7. It didn't start it till 8, but by then I was just kind of like, fuck it, you know, this is a do or die night. Like, that's the thing about me that I love, but it's also the thing about me that I hate, is that there are times when I'm doing what I want to do, and I have to just swallow the risk. 
And I be swallowing the risk when no, when I know other people would be like, no, nah, dog, we finna go. Cause it's, you know, the more you start playing those mind games with yourself, the wronger things begin to feel. And I'm one of them people that's just like, I'm in it. <laughs> so we, um, finally get to the space and this space, y'all, it's like, and I bet it's a million places like this in Egypt. I often kind of think of war-torn places, places that are used to being invaded, places that have been bombed before, places that um, kind of have this third world charm about them. But I don't even see Egypt as third world. I don't even, like, I know some people might be like, yay. But I don't really really see it. But it has, like, this charm about it because the way that the buildings are constructed, like, shit is literally on top of shit on top of shit. So you'll go into, like, it's probably very New York. Very New York. It's these spaces that you're not even assuming there's anything behind those doors or across those planks or behind that glass wall like it's just like a genie's bottle like you come here and you know if you stay here long enough you just begin to realize how many like hidden gem spaces there are so we get into this building and it's dingy everything here is dingy everything here is sand and dingy like it's I'm I, I can't tell you any different even when you go to the museums they're kind of like dusty. Like you'll find pictures that have dust on them. Artwork that has dust on it. So we get into this building and I'm going to tell you exactly what it looked like. If you've seen um, Passing. In the last scene, there they go to this like space that's like several stories up. Well, this one was like that except... As you're going around up the stairs, the elevator runs right up the middle in that hole where the stairs are. So if you're going up the stairs, you can see the elevator literally passing you up and down, up and down. And it was probably about five flights, maybe. We we were like on the third floor, second floor. Uh, I'm going to say third. We were on the third floor. I think we came up one, two, three, maybe four flights of stairs. Um and then you, you're in this hallway, <clears throat> and you see these signs that you can't read because they're in Arabic. And this one guy, I, was, I said, you know, we're looking for the Malcolm X Speaks, the X Speaks um, show. And he's, oh, it's right through here. Now, the funny part is we had just been in that same area. And Ed was like, this isn't it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but we probably shouldn't go back down. We should probably just keep going up. And Ed was like, no, we should go back down. This is why you can't listen to me and all the time. No, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say that. Anyway, he was like, no, we should go back down. So we're going back down. We come back up. We get back to where we were. There's a guy there. And I'm like, where's the Malcolm X thing? And he's like, it's right here. So all we had to do was literally walk through a door. But there was no music playing or anything like that. So, you know, you're not just trying to walk into doors. We walk into this door and the space just opens up. It's hardwood floors. There's art on the walls. It looks like a very subversive place for intellectuals. Like when you walk in, you instantly know whether it's the type of space for you or not. And I was instantly like, oh, this is my type of space. Because it had, you know, these posters about um, art exhibits, art shows, literary events. Um, And then you walk further in and then there's a little bitty kind of space where there's like a chair um, and the ceilings are high, like high. 
which is weird to me because I'm like, how how they have all these other spaces in here? Because the ceilings were like high, high. Like they were past 10 feet, easily past 10 feet, maybe like 12. I know y'all are like easily past. That ain't easily past, Kavika, but they were high. They were like high ceilings. And then there was like a little kitchen area where you could get tea. And then you come out of the little kitchen area and you go around and there's a hallway. And you walk down the hallway and there, there are like rooms and office spaces on each side. And then they had taken some of the additional space and created these exhibits with um, documents, posters, books, um, research papers from, you know, Pan-Africanist to Radio Cairo, which I did not realize Maya Angelou worked for the Cairo radio stick, a Radio Cairo. Like I haven't read, I'm not that deeply read. I read her fiction and her poetry. Um, but evidently there's some other works out there that I need to check out because it talks about her marrying this African guy. And when she was, when you see that picture of her and Malcolm X in Cairo, she was actually living there. And um, she was working at the radio station. She was also writing and she had her son with her. Um, so it was just, just all of this like new information. I saw uh, the book of W.E.B. Du Bois's wife. Um, and I, I told myself to take a picture of it and I didn't. And now I can't remember the title or anything. I'd know the book if I saw it again, but have no fear party people. I'm going to go back to this space. So now let me just get into, uh, Insinga Knight's show. So her show basically was, uh, titled X Speaks. And, uh, she basically is right now in the process of doing these kind of like pop-up shows where she takes a Malcolm X speech and she creates an interactive exhibit around it. So the experience was she's reading the speech. She has a translator and y'all this translator she had, her voice was like gold, like this woman needs to do a, like a meditation CD. I don't know who, I can't remember, I don't know what her name was, but she was amazing. Her voice was amazing, like an angel translating the words of Malcolm, Brother Malcolm. Um, so anyway, so she translates it and there's like footage. So there's like a still footage showing off of a projector while she's speaking. And then there are moments where she and the translator would come sit and we would get to see video. We would get to see pictures and images of Malcolm X in Cairo. Um, and this was from the, this was uh, Brother Malik El Shabazz at the second African summit that took place in Cairo from the 17th through the 21st of July in 1964. Now, if you know anything about 1964, which I didn't. I had no clue because all of my, you know, I'm still kind of stuck on 1963 because 1963 was the year of the bombing. It was the year of the um, the March on Washington. 1963 was the year Kennedy was shot. The Civil Rights Bill uh, went through. Um, it was so much stuff happened in 63. 63 was like, you know, that was the summer that the... Uh, the students, the student um, protests happened in Alabama. So, 
you know, with all of the trauma that happened in 63, I hadn't ever lined up. As a matter of fact, so much stuff happened in 63 that I don't even think about, like, because that's Megger Evers died. So you, you, you can't, if you're not coming from a place where people are constantly talking about that, and I wasn't, I wasn't, that didn't, those kind of conversations didn't happen in my family. We didn't talk about those kind of things. So I was very much an adult before I began to kind of piece together the timeline of black history when it came to the civil rights movement. So I never could really place Malcolm X, right? So knowing that he was in Cairo in 1964 was new to me. I knew he had come to Africa. I didn't know that it was primarily um, the major stuff kind of happened in Cairo. Like he came here to to uh, appeal to the African nations that he could speak in front of to assure them that uh, the African-American problem is an African problem, Right. So while Sister Nzinga is reading this speech that I'd never heard, never read, anything like that, I'm getting like this new information. The beautiful part is that at this point in my life, I can like focus on it and it, it's meaningful and it, um, it resonated with me. Um, what else? Mm, explaining the experience. Um, it was surreal. It was beautiful. It was church. Um, there was a moment, so there was a first half of the show where she's reading the speech, the speech is getting translated. And then there's a second half where Malcolm X is sitting at the, he's sitting on the banks of the Nile river with this dude named Henry. And I believe this footage, you can see it, or you can see pictures of it if you pull it up online. So she took that interview, broke it down into questions and wow. And, and they handed it like when you came in and signed in you got handed a question if you wanted one. So I picked question number 11. So um, while, okay, slow down, Kamika. While there, while she's, we see this image of Henry and Malcolm X. And Zynga is in the voice of Malcolm X. She has translators and several of the people in the audience had the, the questions. So you sometimes would hear a person like me from Texas ask a question. And then you might hear a person like the woman behind me. She was from um, Guinea. So you could hear her ask the question. And then you might, there was a dude across from me who he, he looked like an African in an African sense, but he had a very French accent. He asked his question in Arabic, I believe. And then, you know, some people asked the questions in English. So it was just all these. It was just this kind of like world voice experience. And she also had these cards that you could hold up. Like, you know how we do in church? And we'd be like, mm-hmm. Well, there were cards for that. So you could like flash a card when something resonated with you. But y'all know what? I realized it's something special about black folk from the South. Because when things move me, I'd be like, hmm. You know, I'm very like vocal when things move me. I'm liable to stand up and be like, you better say something right now. You better. <laughs> so it was very like cool to be in that space. And and I kept going, Kamika, just raise the card. Like if you're trying to be, just raise the card. Do do what this woman is asking you to do. But I couldn't because sometimes, you know, the, the soul, the soul is speaking. The spirit is speaking. Um. I am going to go back to CIC. 
I also had the privilege of meeting Jahan El Tari. She is an Egyptian-born uh, filmmaker, and she was the elder in the building. So there was this moment where we were all looking through this newspaper that's all in Arabic. I did get a copy. Um, and she was like, is that my work? And I was like, you wrote this? Like what? And she was like, I think so. She was looking at it. And the show was getting ready to start. And there were other people around talking to her. But there was, it was like this little crew, like me, Kim, Kim's friend. I, can, I don't remember. Did I meet them? I remember the sister from Guinea. Anyway, I don't remember names. Anyway, we all kind of standing there. And I'm geeking out on them because I'm like, I haven't seen no black folk. And let alone seen black folk that's that I can communicate with because Kim is from Cleveland. No, she's from Ohio. She's from Ohio, but she's here teaching at the university. So, and she has a sister that lives in like Frisco. So I was like, Oh, I just, I just had to like whiff them in, like smell them. Like, Oh, I just need to just take y'all in. Anyway, we're all kind of standing around. This woman comes up, um, Jihan, and she starts talking and instantly we're all like this woman is somebody who is this woman who is this woman talking this elder she done coming here and she beautiful and she by herself and she is just rocking and she starts talking about all of these things specifically malcolm's you know uh being here specifically film specifically radio cairo and she's just a wealth of knowledge she's a wealth of knowledge and then the show starts so we have to like separate ourselves from her have this experience and then like gravitate like moths to a flame back to this woman. And I got her a phone number. So I'm going to do my best to uh, see if I can get her on the podcast. But I got to take a picture with her and I did Google her and she's um, real deal Holyfield when it comes down to like uh, talking the talk. Um, she has a film called uh, Cuba and African Odyssey and um, a film called Behind the Rainbow. Um, so that was, that was the experience. There were some things that I heard in Malcolm X's speech that kind of ring true today. Actually, the whole speech, like outside of him mentioning a few things, this speech rings true because essentially he's saying that we are really doing a very, very slow dance into a major race war. Where every time something happens, black people realize more and more and more and more and more how we have got to take care of ourselves. We have got to create ways of being that um, support who we are without us having to extend ourselves beyond um, beyond the color line. Um, and as long as people want to play these games, as long as people want to look at us and identify us based on skin color and, 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 um, limit us that we become more joined at the hip on an international level. I know I'm like at this point considering myself a global citizen. I'm not just an American. I'm not just an African-American. I'm not just a Texan. I'm not just Dallas-born, right? I'm not just Highland Hills. I am this whole fucking globe. And we've got to start looking at ourselves that way because it's happening. The world is whirling, right? We can see that with this whole Ukraine thing and the African students there. And one of the things that I was thinking like, well, if y'all not going to let them out of there, at least give them the guns, you know, do something, but what's also really cool about it is black people are sitting back and 
most of us aren't saying anything, but we get it. We get it. And now we're starting to see each other on the streets in all places of the world. And we're going, I see you. And I'm here for you. Are you here for me? So I think Malcolm's idea, I think Malcolm's appeal, I think Malcolm's uh, vision is coming together without there having to be these large meetings because unfortunately the cancer of racism um, has spread beyond American borders. As a matter of fact, um, (laughs) it was created beyond American borders. Like, you know, the darker the skin, the bigger the sin has always been this um, kind of mantra played in the minds of people who could associate or assimilate themselves to whatever skin color they fell into. So brown, the brown or the, you know, and even here where I am, you know, you can see it in the faces of these children and they don't know how to communicate it. And I don't know how to tell them to communicate it. All I know is to walk up on my campus every day and be the best me that I can be so that they don't feel so uncomfortable. And they, you know, at some point they, the, the rubber will, will meet the road where they will, they will remember the, the dark skinned woman on their campus who wasn't somebody's nanny and who would be dancing to whatever music she was listening to and who really just didn't give a fuck about um, what other people thought about her based on her skin color. Because I, I've lived it all my life. And I know a lot of people out there like it's not that serious, but, you know, it is. It is. Because we're being denied basic human rights. Like if I can't like. If you got to make me your nanny because of my brown skin, if that makes you feel better, you're denying me my basic rights of just being. Period. Human rights. Human rights. So that kind of led me into that whole like understanding how Martin Luther King transitioned from the civil rights movement into the human rights movement because he realized this is not just happening at the level of being black. This is happening at the level of being human. And that is what the Ukraine is showing us. That, yeah, you can absolutely be blonde-haired and blue-eyed and get your ass put in a gas chamber. Absolutely. So I think it's happening whether we want it to or not. And I just want to thank uh, Sister Nsinka and um, Kim and I got to meet uh, Sister and Singer's husband, Maurice. Just to hear, let me tell y'all something. Just to hear that American accent, I was like, yeah, dog. <laughs> and it's not that I'm like separating myself from what's been going on. But it's a lot, y'all. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in when you don't have to like, you know, I, I'm not in the military. So, you know, I'm literally the darkest thing on this campus. And I'm in an isolated space. And I'm, you know, I want to talk about some of this political stuff. And I don't have those people around me. These people are exhausted. You know, they they out here hanging out all night doing their thing. And then they don't want to talk about the heavy stuff. But I'm built and designed for it to a certain extent. So, you know, that's just kind of what that is. Um, you know, one of the things that Malcolm X said was that his heart was in Cairo. You know, he, he really, uh, it altered a lot for him. 
it altered so much for him. And that's what traveling does. You know, it's altered a lot for me. And I'm not even in Cairo. I'm in Al Giza. I will forever. Al Giza is the Highland Hills of fucking Egypt. Like, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, um, I just wanted to talk about that. Talk about being in the CIC. Um, I did get home late last night. Uh, I want to thank Kim because I, I was able to send her my location and she stayed up and was texting me and everything until I got safely back. And, uh, I'm gonna do it again tonight. Uh, I got another invitation from another American that is visiting, um, the, 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 the country and I'm gonna go hang out with her and have some tea and um, I'll report back then. So it's just been good. This has been really good for me. Um, just connecting me deeper into, you know, who I am, why I am, and uh, giving me the the clarity that I need uh, for how to move forward. All right. So I hope y'all enjoyed this. I posted pictures on the Facebook um, I posted pictures, I will be posting pictures in Nubia, um, and I will post a few on my Instagram, but, uh, I got to get back to blogging. <laughs> I thought about my blog the other day. I was like, bitch, you ain't blogged in like a year. So, um, I'm going to see if I can reignite my blog. And if I can't, I'm just going to write this stuff down. And when I get back home, cause I need to redo my website anyway, it's in need of an upgrade. So if there's anybody out there who does websites, I'm not even asking for cheap, but don't, uh, don't try to steal from me. Um, I'm going to need that, but I also understand this. I can do it myself. And now I'm really kind of like, I have the time to do it. But I'm in Egypt and I can't access my, uh, they keep sending the code to my um, old phone number and I can't get through. So um, right now I'm just sketching out what it needs to look like and uh, we're going to get that bad boy up and running. Um, and that's it, you know, shout out to Goody Howard, sexologist. Um, if you, uh, y'all need to get a sexologist in your life. Get a sexologist in your life, please. Like somebody who can really talk about sex in a healthy way. Somebody who can really advise you on how to use them toys you got. Somebody who can really advise you on a good time schedule to when you need to wash them toys or when you need to replace them. And just kind of keep you up on your relationship with your body parts. Okay. Um, I think that's it for this one. Um, I got to post these pictures and take care of some things before I head out this evening. Be good. Be good. Be good. Be God. Peace.